Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Mahmoud never said I'm going to burn the house down, but the Klan burned his house down. I thought I was going to die every day. We should have covered him. We should have had his back. But we didn't. His willingness to take a stand in an era where very few pro athletes did this. We should be celebrated for that. Yes, yes, that is Stand. It will be on Showtime, and it is a documentary chronicling the destruction of a man for his beliefs. Joining me is that man, one of my favorite players of all time because of my daddy. I'm going to tell you all about that in a second. Let me welcome to the show Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, and joining us is the documentarian, the director of the documentary, Stan Jocelyn Rose Lyons. Hi, welcome. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, this, this, is, this is important. You know, we're in a particular time in history. There's been a lot happening in the last several years. We've, of course, had George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. Colin Kaepernick took a knee, lost his career. We just recently had a brother in Memphis beaten to death, and... All you wanted to do was pray to to Allah. All you wanted to do was to take a moment and honor God and not honor the flag, which has been steeped in so much death and destruction. And you literally lost your career. My daddy loved you, by the way. Rest in power. You were one of his favorite players because of your stand. And that made me love you as well. We loved you when you were Chris Jackson, by the way. And then now this. Tell us the moment that you decided. I'm going to start with you, Mahmoud. Um, to not put your hand over your heart and say the Pledge of Allegiance, but to hold your hand to God, your hands to God and and pray. What was that moment? Well, it was actually about four, five months the previous season. Uh, I became a Muslim and I was meeting a lot of people on the road. I started reading a whole lot more than I ever had, that I, that I ever have in my life. Uh, came across a lot of different authors that were speaking about the conditions globally and domestically. And then what my religion itself was saying about the importance of standing up for justice. So it all happened like four or five months the previous season, but it wasn't until the next season that someone called wind of it and wanted to do an interview. And then that's when it went global. Mm. Jocelyn Rose <laughs> Lyons, you know, to get a film like this made, I mean, timing is everything. Walk us through how long you were, you know, gathering. What is the relationship? How did how did you make this happen? Filmmaking is always a journey. It's a process. Uh, it's not linear. I wish it was. It would be a lot easier if someone could just hand us a roadmap. Um, we had an incredible team on this project. And when I came on board, the producers had already taken, I'd say, hours of tape uh, down. And there was a, a ton of interviews already shot. Um, it was an incredible process working with the producers at Mandalay. And then we also had, of course, Showtime. So we had this really incredible exchange about my creative approach, which was just seeing Mahmoud's journey through the lens of kind of shadow boxing and just how Mahmoud, in some ways, had to kind of walk through this fire, um, face his shadows to find the light that, that 
he shines in this story and um, that basketball was the vehicle for this. And basketball is a, a vehicle for Mahmoud abdul Rauf's story to be told, which is a very dynamic story of activism and Tourette syndrome and mental health and spirituality. So it was quite a journey and a process. I'm very grateful. Why did you want to do this? I converted to Islam in 2003. So for me, I really could relate to Mahmoud's spiritual journey um, having converted to Islam, not growing, growing up in the Bay Area, I didn't really have a religion. I was very spiritually tuned, but um, I, Islam found me or I found Islam and I converted 2003 and it was quite a journey. I practiced it um, and studied it for years and years and years. And so I really could relate to that part of Mahmoud's journey. And I think also just the intersection of athletes and activism, just wherever activism can meet us as artists, as athletes, as just finding a way to turn the volume on up louder for our voices to be heard and being a woman in this space that I often have to walk in a room and feel like I have a disadvantage. So I have to talk a little louder or at least sometimes cheerlead a bit more um, because there is kind of this, um, you get uh, kind of questioned for, well, are you really deserving of being at the table or is your voice really going to count? So I could relate to all of that. And I think the mental health struggles that Mahmoud went through um, just with Tourette's, just having my own issues in my life that I grew up with, um, with anxiety and whatnot, just knowing that Mahmoud had this fearlessness about him, this courage to take a stand and to face all of these things and to be triumphant in the face of them and his gift to shine through is just absolutely just something I wanted to be a part of. And, and I'm so grateful that um, I could be a, a, a vessel for this story to come through as the director. Jocelyn Rose Lyons is her name. She's the director of Stand. She's also won awards for work on several other documentaries like Barbara Lee's Speaking Truth to Power, which we absolutely love here. And she's worked on LeBron James's digital platform, Uninterrupted. When Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf came into the league, the Tourette syndrome story was huge and it made you a sympathetic figure. And we all like leaned in and we were all rooting for you. And then it turned as if none of that mattered. Tell us about the turn. Okay, so you convert to Islam. I think it's fine in America, right? This is a freedom from religion. We should be all able to practice what, whatever we practice. When did you know it would be a problem? Well, you know, it doesn't always work that way. But um, you know what? These are conversations. The interesting thing is that these are conversations that we have as athletes continuously, whether we're on the bus, the plane, you know, in the gym, we talk about a lot of things, you know, this, this perception or this stereotype that it's, it's sort of like back in the day, they would talk about the, the dink, the dingy blonde, right? And there's a stereotype, all blondes are this way, or like all athletes, or most athletes don't, don't have a mind of their own and can't think for themselves. So I didn't see anything necessarily, I didn't see a problem uh, when they came up to me and they questioned me about do I want uh, to to talk about it, uh, even though I know the history has been such that you know, look at Muhammad Ali's, the Tommy, uh, the the John Carlos's and Tommy Lee Smiths and all of those who have been condemned. Uh, you somewhat, I guess, in some sense, have a level of delusional hope that maybe things have shifted a little bit. But I, I noticed the next morning. Uh, when I came to the gym and we were playing Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, who who has Magic. a Muslim name, by the way? 
Yeah, of course. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Look, when I saw all those journalists, because we weren't the greatest team. I mean, we were making improvements, but uh, when Jordan and Shaq came to town, there was many more journalists that would be eager to to interview them. So I'm thinking, oh, they're coming to interview Shaq, but then they they shifted and came my way. And when they asked me the question, I just spoke my conscience. So when I got to the gym that night. that's when I was called down to Bernie's office. And when I got into the office, he said, well, the NBA wants to suspend you and fine you. If you don't stand, what do you say? I said, well, I'm not going to do it. And that's when he said, well, two people want to uh, get on the phone with me. And I can't remember who they were. For some reason, because he's now the president, I'm assuming Adam Silver, because I think they were David Stern's right-hand men. And they commenced to tell me uh they identified themselves as, as Jewish initially. And then they tell me a story. And I was polite. I said, listen, uh, thank you for the story. I said, but in this context, I said, one, there's two things. I'm not Jewish. And that that particular story doesn't apply to me. I said, so I'm going to continue to do what I do. And that's when he told me. Uh, I was so green because I've never been suspended or fined before in my life. I thought it was going to take, and I say this all the time, like active legislation. It was going to take some days. They got to deliberate. So I said, look, can I go put on my uniform? He said, no. I said, I'm fine right now. He said, yeah. I said, okay. Well, can I go and support the team, you know, in the stands? He said, no, they don't want you on the premises. What? So I had to leave. I had to leave the, the park. I mean, I had to leave the arena. The park. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Rauf. Abdul Rauf. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. You committed a crime? You committed a crime against humanity? Absolutely, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. It, it, look, it was it was a it, it was a crime being, I guess, a, a black athlete speaking his conscience about what 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 he feels about the American flag and, by extension, the American system. So, you know, you have to make an example of a person like me uh, to send a message to others that if you do this, this is what will happen to you. But you know what's crazy? I remember this because I mean, you're not demonstrative. It's not like you were Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali where you're, you know, I, you know, you weren't out there doing that. It was a very, you're, you're, you know, you have a very nice, calm cadence and flow. <laughs> not yeah. at all, not at all, quote unquote, threatening. Mm-hmm. But the words that were coming out of your mouth was so they got on the phone and told you either apologize. Was there this list of things you had no. to do? No, no, not at all. Actually. My agent at the time, Sharif Nasir, had called the NBA. And there was a guy named Rod Thorne who was over fining people for various reasons, right? If you if you didn't, they wanted to find me a thousand dollars a sock if I if the NBA emblem didn't show because I would fold my socks up. I, they were just comfortable for me to play like that. I didn't like my socks up high, but they wanted to find me. So he was the guy that if there were things in the NBA rules that you were breaking, he was the one that was supposed to know. Well, Sharif called and uh, he said, hey, Ron, man, we got a, a call from Bernie. Bernie tells us this, the NBA is going to find my move. Rod Don said, for not, he said, for not standing. He said, man, I don't know. I don't, I've never heard of no rule like that in the NBA. Now, this is the guy who fine in the NBA. And so that's when we go back. And I guess that it, when it's all said and done, Bernie was trying to prevent things from happening, but it didn't work. It just exploded. 
But Ron, Rod Thorne didn't even, he said that there was no rule, as far as he knew, where it was obligated to stain. The next year when I played for Sacramento was when they had it in big, bold print. You must stand for the national anthem. <laughs> and so it, it, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. But that's that's how it that's how it all went down. But they listen. It was more for for me. Yes, I I didn't. You know, it was mild mannered because I was still searching. I was still trying to figure the world out. I knew that I didn't want to stand for it, but I also knew that it was going. It wasn't just going to remain there. Because I began to read, and when you're reading and you begin to engage, it changes you. It just it has to. That's just, yeah, it changes. Your thinking changes, your behavior changes. So they just brought it a little sooner than than what I I would have I would have probably done it by bringing bringing it to me, and I I didn't back down and haven't backed down since. Um, I, we're gonna get Jocelyn into more of the documentary, but I just the impact on you financially because Ma- Mahmoud Abdul Rauf came up in an era where people weren't getting a hundred million dollar contracts, right? And the, the, the several million was nice, you know, but you you think about that lasting for the rest of your life, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking at Usain Bolt right now having to figure out some things because his whole fortune has been squandered, taken from him. Mm-hmm. And you think about all of the basketball players like Antoine Walker, who made $300 million and has his broke. Mm-hmm. To suspend you with a fine means they're cutting into your, your net worth and your pockets. And then you were summarily kind of drummed out of the league, which means your income source was, was done. How did you manage it? Manage that? Well, see, that's the tough thing. Going back to the fine, uh, they ended up, see, publicly, they said they fined me. But when, I guess, Rod Thorne said that there was no such thing, and the media had already said that, oh, I'm supposed to be meeting David Stern, which never happened. I never had a conversation with David Stern during this whole process. Uh, They didn't end up taking it out of my check. But the second part happened. Uh, because there's relationships in in everything. Right? There's a country club environment, right? And people talk. And then that's when I started to notice because initially I'm trying to not be reactionary and say, okay, you know, this is blackballing because it's quick for people just to go straight there when something happens. But I began to look at patterns, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at my time diminishing. I'm looking at the fact mm-hmm. that I'm the top free shooter. They do a special on the top free throw shooters. I'm never shown. I'm looking at the fact that usually when I didn't play and I'm in my prime, that reporters are coming asking me, why aren't you playing the whole season? It's like a handful of reporters would come and talk to me, right? It's almost like there was hands off. So I'm looking at all of this take place, right? Then never before in the history of my playing that I'm getting DNPs, right? Because the coach's decision, they just didn't put me in. I said, I see, you know, and, this is an attempt because the less, the more you don't see me, it's like out of sight, out of mind, right? Then it's easy to, 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 it's easy to say to people, well, we don't think he, we don't know if he has it anymore, right? Because you don't see me play. And, and that's, that's because there are laws in this country, right? That you just can't say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of you because you said this. So you have to prepare the, the, the stage in so many ways to give the impression, you know, we don't know if he can play anymore. We don't think he has it kind of like what they did to Kaepernick, right? Sitting, you know, the, 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 the attacks and, and, and 
So it, it was uh, it was tough. And many of us as African-Americans, right, we, we don't have generational wealth. So we're taking care of multiple people. It's not like our mom has a house paid off, right, and father and all this. We have to take care of so many. And then most of our life is spent just developing our skills uh, to a flaw, not learning about a lot of other things because we didn't come from money to where we understand balancing budgets and investing. And then in your career, there's so many people, they talk good, just as well as you spend that time training. They spend that time learning how to be conniving and get over, right? So you lose that way too. So throughout those years, just... uh, you know, that money's not coming in like that. And you're trying to figure out, man, what do I do? Uh, mistakes are made. And uh, that's what happened. And it, 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 you know, and I'm not, again, I'm not looking for pity. You know, look, no. I, I made mistakes. We, we all do. But however, however, you know, when you just take somebody's livelihood simply because they took a position and the position wasn't wrong, you know, they're not out there beating people up in clubs. You know, I, I get, I mean, doing something stupid, you know, they're not out there raping, stealing. You just talk, you, you have a conscience. You said something, you can go verify this, these things, this is what it is. And you destroy somebody's career for that. That's criminal. It's very much criminal. And, uh, and, uh, uh, look, man, I, and I, even my closest friends didn't know this, uh, for, for years, I mean, I, I went broke. I mean, I'm talking about broke to the point of I'm in my bathroom. I mean, I, I can't I don't even have heat, you know, and, and and I'm in my bathroom lighting these little candles and and I'm putting them in the bathroom because the bathroom is the smallest place in the house. And I was going through divorce at the time. So my wife at the time left. And so I'm I'm in there and I'm stuffing stuff in un, by the door so that that room can stay warm. You know what I mean? And I'm going to the gym and I'm trying to please God, guide my steps. I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, and 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 I had to live that way for a while. I'll walk from the gym. Hey, man, you need all. Oh, no, I love walking, man. Hey, you know, because that was my issue. I had to solve it. I had to I had to fight through it and get through that. Mm. Right. And I would never let a person know. I remember a guy came out the gym one time. He saw me because I ended up losing my car. I had to rent something, you know, because I would come into money a little bit training people. Right. At, at the time, didn't know what to charge at the, at the time, right? So I had this little old car, and he's like, man, I love it. He said, man, people just don't know, man, you rolling, right? And and you you living like this. Now, I had stopped living like that for a long time. Like when I moved back to Mississippi, I stopped spending a lot of money. I just started living simple. So I was okay with that. But in his mind, he's thinking, I know you sitting on all these millions, and you driving like this, and this is why I love you little Little did he know, yeah, that had become my lifestyle, live a simple life. But in this particular case, brother, I'm doing bad. <laughs> but he, he just, I never told anybody until the book came out or the little people that ended up knowing. No lawsuit? Was there? <sighs> we, we, we looked into it. Maybe I need to have someone else to look into it. Uh, but... Um, uh, not as of yet. Not as of yet. Okay. I, I right. was told that there was a great chance of it happening, but you you know how to look. The system is such that you know there's so many loopholes, and you just got to get somebody that really know their stuff 
uh, and to push the right buttons to make it happen. Well, I think but, this I mean, documentary. I'm the only one, though. Yeah. I, I, that's what I was going to say. I think this documentary is going to be like that thread on that sweater to pull Jocelyn Rose Lyons as people watch Stand on Showtime. What is the most important element of putting this documentary together for you? My mood story is a testimony to me that freedom is not anything more than whatever it is that makes you feel free. And Mahmoud's ability to stand up in the face of knowing that he could lose and did lose everything, that there was, that was freedom. That was peace. Freedom also has a price that he paid dearly. Uh, So many people that came after him didn't have to. LeBron and them can stand up with hoodies on and put I Can't Breathe t-shirts on because of the work that you and Craig Hodges did, the, the conviction that you and Craig Hodges and others uh, lost their careers over. Uh, I would love for you to come back. I'm t- I'm being told we got no more time with you. Uh, will you come back? Will you come back to the Karen at the show? I, I want to. I, I want to keep. We we got more to talk about. And and Jocelyn Rose Lines. This documentary is everything. Uh, it's called Stand, and we'll be on my What to Watch list on Friday. So y'all will have to check that out. It's important. It's important because it's it's more than basketball. Thank you for coming, Jocelyn Rose Lyons and Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. Man, you are a hero. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I Thank you so much, you. Karen. Ashe, Ashe. All right. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.